We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, this is a True Faith Lockdown podcast. Um, not going to talk about what it's like being in lockdown, but it's a, um, it's a football podcast done during the lockdown. There we go. Um, <laughs> it's Norman. I'm joined by Chris. We're going to talk through our 11s that we've selected based on the past decade, Newcastle United, 2010 to 2019. Um, and then we're hoping, obviously depending on how well this one goes down, to do a, a noughties, a 90s and an 80s side. Um, the 80s side will probably be me and someone of a, a similar age, just like the other, um, because a lot of the true faith... People are a little bit too young to create a team from the 80s, so, you know, there you go. One of the advantages of being older. Chris, good to join, uh, good for you to join, mate. How, how are you doing during the uh, during the pandemic? Yeah, not. I mean, not bad. Uh, touch wood, healthy, and, uh, yeah, fine. But it's been a bit weird. I mean, I think everyone's feeling that. Uh, and not just the absence of football, um, if I'm honest. I mean, football's been the kind of the last thing I've been thinking about, to be honest. But... Good to be back speaking to you about the club that we love and the club that tortures us on not at the moment a weekly basis, but in usual times a weekly basis. Ah, uh, it's um a slightly different kind of torture to being tortured by the prospect of a virus that can wipe out humanity. Um so <laughs> you know, you just uh, I mean Mike Ashley. Yeah, well yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Mike Ashley tortures you on, on many levels. Um we'll crack in the mate. Um so tw- two thousand sorry, two thousand two thousand and ten until 2019 I've got a feeling we might have gone for the same goalkeeper yeah let, let me start first of all by saying that I've gone we'll talk about our formations first so we might have to do this in blocks I've gone for a, um, a kind of obviously one goalkeeper I've gone for a classic back four um, three in the midfield sort of two wide players in a centre midfielder with a, with a kind of floating number 10 just in front and then two centre forwards so a kind of four three one two if you will okay interesting uh, I've gone for a a three-four-three three, uh, that would not hold up in any way and would be totally ineffective. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to why when we get to the players, um, but it's it's players that maybe not so much would work together, but players that I have enjoyed and have uh, their performances have meant a lot to me. So maybe they wouldn't work so well together, but we we should get to that. A sexy football, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Sexual, the sexiest of football. Sexual football. Um, <laughs> so uh, right then, goalkeeper mate. Um, I'll crack straight in. It's Martin Dubravka. I, I can't. I loved. I love, love, love Tim Crawl. And Crawl was fantastic. The season that we um, finished fifth 
And when he broke into the side, really, which was the first season back in the Premier League, even though Hartwell was kind of the first choice um, in 2011-2012, Krull was magnificent, 12-13. He was good, 13-40, when we struggled, especially in Europe. Um, but I think Dubravka, um, given that both actually similar age to each other, I think Dubravka is one of the best goalkeepers, if not the best goalkeeper I've seen in black and white, even though he plays in a goalkeeper strip, you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's going to be Dubravka for me. Um, I think 24 clean sheets and 79 appearances in the league um, and pretty much solid, well, with a couple of minor wobbles, but generally has been absolutely spectacular since that debut against Man United for me. Um, he's kept us in so many games. He's won us and saved us so many points. And I think that Champions League interest that seemingly comes around every every couple of months and particularly in transfer windows from clubs like Juventus is is totally reflective of the absolute talent that he is. But, you know, obviously, hope he stays up with us for many more years. He's got a good few years left uh, in him. Um, a great player. And yeah, for me as well, Tim Krull was the obvious other one. Um, but it's got to be big Martin for me. Absolute piece of cake, then we're, we're in agreement. Um, what I'll do then, because we're playing slightly, as we say, slightly different formations, rather than go individually player by player, I'll just give you my back four, um, and then uh, we'll go for your back three, and we'll, we'll discuss the relative merits of, uh, mm-hmm. of each. So I've gone for Jose Enrique at left back, um, mm-hmm. Matteo Debushi right back, Ooh. Fabrizio Colaccini, and Jamal Lascelles as my centre halves. Let me give, give me your back three. Okay, well, as I say, this team is not going to play very well together. Um, so I've gone for Jamal Lascelles, Colaccini, and Fabian Scher. Fabian Scher, no, no. I mean, I, I, you know what? If I had a bench, Fabian Scher would be on the bench. In fact, I have got a bench because it's pure fantasy, this. Scher's on the bench. Um, right. Now, Colo and Lascelles were both in agreement there, obviously. I think, you know, we've had some, we've actually, especially um, with Rafa taking over and bringing in the centre halves, you know, Lejeune, Scher. Clark, Fernandez. Right now, we've got some excellent centre halves. Prior to that, I mean, we struggled a bit. Stephen Taylor, you know, I think if he'd been managed better, I think he could have actually turned out to be way, way better than he was. I mean, you have to remember at one point, Stephen Taylor was actually in the England squad, I think. Um, so, you know, he knew how to play. I just think he was very unlucky with injuries and very unlucky with the, with the club at the time, very tumultuous. Um, but Fabrizio Colaccini, uh, uh, you know, for, for a couple of seasons was just absolutely imperious. I mean, he got in the 2011-12 season, he got into the PFA Players Team of the Year, which is the ultimate accolade, I think, your fellow professionals voting you into the side. And Jamal Lascelles, look, what he might lack in, you know, long-range passing ability, running out of defence with the ball. You wouldn't need that because Colaccini's alongside him. Lascelles would give you the grit in the old-fashioned centre-half type player. So for me, I think those two at centre-half is just, you know, it, they would just be brilliant together. I think you mentioned uh, Stephen Taylor there and you mentioned the way that Colaccini, you know, in your team could really shore up uh, Jamal Lascelles' weaker points. I think the thing about Colaccini for, for me, um, aside from his fantastic hair, of course, is the fact that he managed to make players that played alongside him who were at times pretty poor. I mean, Mike Williamson, the fact that he was lauded as Iron Mike was, I think, pretty much down to Colaccini rather than his own abilities uh, in in all seriousness. And the fact that he was compared to uh, Bobby Moore by Alan Pardew after the derby against Sutherland in 2012 is, you know, praise indeed and totally, you know, deserved place, I think, in, in both of our squads. And Jamal Lascelles for leadership, you know, solid if not spectacular, but the way that he galvanised that side. And I think both of these players, they really came into their own in, in championship seasons. Colosini the first time round, 
Lascelles, unfortunately, the second time we dropped back down. But both of them really grabbed those around them and, and the club, really. Um, and, and with the help of two very different managers as well, of course, and the support of them. But, you know, they really kind of galvanised teams and they, they, they're the reason, largely. Okay, not the only reason, but they played key roles in the promotion uh, bids in both those seasons. But, so, yeah, definitely, definitely included uh, with good reason for me. Um, and you mentioned uh, two relegations there, so just quick shout out to Big Mike for that. Um, two relegations in his spell at the club, whereas I think in the whole history of the club prior to his arrival, we'd been relegated twice. So thanks for that, Mike. Keep up the good work, kid. Um, the full fullbacks I've gone for now again. We've had you know we've had some pretty decent fullbacks. Um, you know, I think Daryl Yamat was actually quite a good player, despite the fact he was a little bit raj. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was, he was a Dutch international, decent. Um, and I could have gone for him, you know, Davide Santon, who basically was a, a right-footed left-back, um, I thought was a really talented player. But I think Debussy was was a cut above, I think, when he first came. You could just see the talent. You know, he got that move to Arsenal, unlucky with injuries. It's just the way it worked out for him. But again, a French international, very good player. And I think Jose Enrique, obviously, when he first arrived, um, it didn't quite work out for him. And again, he was one of those players where he suffered relegation in his second season. But in his third season, he went into the championship and him and him and Jonas just absolutely tore it up. And in my first season back in the Premier League, obviously, he was good enough to get that big money move to, to Liverpool um, and almost won the title with him under Brennan Rodgers. So a very, very good player. Um, and I think those two, for me, would definitely be my full-back picks from the last decade. Yeah, good picks. I think, you know, I can't really look past either of them. But, you know, I have this commitment to this this side that does not function, but is very starry. So uh, my my third pick, rather than my, my four at the back, is going to be Fabian Cher. As to why I've gone for him, not just his good looks, um, but, you know, he's a very classy, classy player. Um, can hit a shot as mm-hmm. well, as we all know. That goal against Burnley and a couple of others besides, you know, really reflective of that. And I think... You know, the thing that Fabian Cher typifies for me um, is back in the wonderful days of Rafa Benitez's tenure and the, the nous and the kind of the detail and knowledge that he had of the transfer market. The, pa- the fact that we managed to pick up Fabian Cher for three million pounds because Rafa knew of this release clause for this very classy, you know, very well, you know, fantastic player um, is really reflective of that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think. Oh, I'm kind of. I'm not sure whether he would, you know, on reflection sneak in. But yeah, I've, well, I've, I've put him in now. But yeah, I, I think a very good player. And I think you know, if we manage to to hang on to him and he gets the right coaching, big if there, of course. But you know, he is a really, really uh, solid uh, and at times very exciting player. I agree. He's a fantastic player. And what I'd also like to see is for three and a half million pound um, in 1998, Rudd had paid six and a half million for Elena Marcelino. Um, six and a half million pound in nineteen ninety nine, which I believe is now worth um, one hundred and thirty four million, um, given their uh, interest rates. And in two thousand, we bought Titus Bramble for six and a half million as well. So Fabian Shea um, definitely represents value for money. Most definitely. Um, midfielding, I've gone as I say for this um, sort of four player midfield, but with a, a more advanced roving number ten. So. I'll go. Um, I'll go on the left and right. I've gone for Haddon Benoff on the left. Jonas Gutierrez on the right because he can play on the right hand side. Obviously, um, even though his best football really could say was on the left hand side, he's. I think you know he's still very capable of doing the job on the right. And I think a man of his energy, determination, and what he brings to the team, he was always going to make it. And I just loved him. I loved Jonas. 
Um, ben Arfa, quite simply one of the most talented players that the club's ever had, despite the fact that obviously on a on a mental level, you know, he was rather challenging, I'd imagine, to manage. And his head wasn't in the right place sometimes, but when he on his day, he was, he was incredible. Um, and I've gone... I've gone for Miggy Amaron in the number 10 role just because I think he is I think he's an incredibly gifted footballer. Um he's skillful, he scores goals now, he's quick, he's got he's got everything you need. And to and behind him, I almost plumped for Czech Tier because I thought we need a hard man in there. And Czech Tiot in his prime 2011-12 was just brilliant. But you know what I went for? I went for Yuan Kabai, because Kabai, not only was he an outstandingly skillful midfielder with loads of gale, you know, good dead, good with a dead ball, great passer. Could score goals. He was also a nasty little bastard as well, and I just mm-hmm. thought he could do the yards and the damage that needed to be done. So, yeah, left hand side Ben Offa, right hand side Jonas, Johan Kabai centre midfield, Miguel Almiron and withdrawn number ten role. Beat that. Oh, I don't know if I can. Uh, a couple of the players that you mentioned are included in mine. Uh, I'll start in the middle. Um, I've gone for four in my midfield, uh, and in the middle I've gone for Johan Kabai. And the late, the great Chitiate. Uh, you, I mean, you mentioned both of them already. Uh, Chitiate, hard bastard, missed a yellow card. At one point, he was clocking off a yellow card every other Fantastic. game. But, you know, that didn't seem to matter. He was so good. Uh, again, a player that was linked with, with Champions League moves. Um, played for us for six and a half years, which you kind of forget. And I know that he kind of fell out of favour a little bit towards the end under, under Rafa Benitez. But as you say, you know, in his prime, he was absolutely fantastic. You know, of course, we can't look past the the goal against Arsenal. You know, it has to be mentioned. But the wrongly disallowed goal against Man City, you know, wrongly disallowed, pl- proved that it was not a fluke. Uh, he, you know, he was he was uh, able to hit one, uh, and then uh, Kabai, uh, you know, a fantastic player. The way that he left, yeah, maybe leaving a little bit of a bitter taste and going on strike to try and force that move to Arsenal, which didn't happen. But talk about bargains, talk about Fabian Share. Four million for Johan Kabai. Some outrageous goals and assists, particularly for Cissé. I, I was taking a little trip down memory lane on uh, lunchtime earlier and watching some some goals from yesteryear on YouTube. And uh, Kabai pops up quite quite often for, for Cissé there. Um, so, yeah, two players in the middle, which I think, you know, very, you know, gr- great players. Not just over the last 10 years, but, you know, if you look longer... Uh, over the course of the the previous kind of four decades, I think you know you would kind of you would have to kind of look at them as kind of some really top talents. And then wide, I've gone to, for some controversial additions on the wings here. Uh, you mentioned Almiron. Uh, I've put Almiron in there, and I know that you know he didn't score for the first year, and thankfully that's now righted itself. He's he's adding those much needed goals yeah. to his game. Um, but the fact that he changed that squad when he signed in in the January, and the fact just just the way that he plays, he loves to play. You know, he he pushes up us up the pitch. He tries, um, and yeah, I think he's a really really exciting player. And I hope again that he sticks with us for a, a few years. And then I think possibly the most controversial of these four, I have not included Hassan Benarfa for attitude problems although you know the way that he could just maraud through a defence you know what a talent amazing player but I've gone for Alan Samaximan and I know that he's been with us for less than a season well possibly a season if the season gets uh, cancelled and also in 2019 he was only here for basically three months so I think that's it's a fairly I mean it's within the rules of the game but it's also a little bit outrageous however you know we'll move on and I forgive you (laughs) but yeah, I just think he's so exciting, and not just on the pitch, but in a way that I would argue that Hatem Ben Arfa didn't quite get. That he didn't 
I mean, Hassan Ben Arfa had the connection with the fans in terms of his talent, but I remember seeing some posts from him on social media and, you know, just he had a bit of a kind of uh, a bad attitude about him sometimes. So Alison Maximan nudges it for attitude and I hope that two or three years down the line when we're reflecting again that he, you know, proves himself to be a long time great. Um, as to kind of alternates, you know, players that might make the bench in this kind of midfield position, you mentioned Jonas Gutierrez and I was really umming and ahhing to include him. Um, that kind of, that last uh, game of the season goal against West Ham. Oh, amazing. You know, fantastic moment. Uh, Sissoko, uh, Diame, you know, was a really good player for a time there. But yeah, those are my four. Sissoko was an absolutely outstanding player. Um, and when he was good at Newcastle, he was great. And obviously when Rafa came in for the sort of the last four or five games this season. I mean, I think we went unbeaten for the last six, didn't we? And we got relegated and Sissoko was made captain and he was just absolutely wonderful. And you think if we'd survived that season, if Sissoko had stayed, who? And, and Gigi Wijnaldum, Gini Wijnaldum, for God's sake, look what he's mm-hmm. going to achieve. Um, you know, we, we I think we would have had a very good season in the Premier League with um, a little bit of money for Rafa and the However, that's never going to happen. So there's just no point in dwelling, is there? There's no point in dwelling, Norman Reilly. Leave it alone. Um Speaking of Kabay and Tiote, a couple of performances for them from them. Um, Czech Tiote against Man United um, at home when we beat them three 0 He just absolutely was he was massive. He was everywhere, and it, I was living in um, Chile at the time. And a Dutch mate of mine who had obviously seen Tiote play season Ajax season ticket all to be mate, and, and Czech Tiote won the title. I think with them um, twenty and shadow under Steve. 50s here, McLaren. Um, and uh, I said, uh, when we signed Tiote, I said to this Dutch kid, I said, What's he like as a player? And he went, uh, he, it, he eats the pitch. And I just thought that was uh, an absolute, <laughs> what an absolutely brilliant, brilliant way of describing him. And, and against Man U that day, he literally ate the pitch. Um, Yuan Kabai, so many good performances to pick out. But the one that stood out for me was um, Stoke City at home on Apology when we were pushing for the Champions League. And we absolutely rinsed him three 0 He scored two goals, and he was just—he was just utterly unplayable. It was a—it was a truly phenomenal. I was performance. there. I was there for that one, and it was absolutely magnificent. What a performance! Ran the show, and uh, obviously, you know, Ben Arthur. We know some of the performances, some of the goals. The goal against Bolton, I was lucky to be there and see that, and that was just sickening. His goal against Everton on his debut was just beautiful. Um, and yeah, Jonas. So many good performances for Jonas, but just an, an actual iconic performance. He produced an iconic yeah. performance and the, the backstory and everything behind it just for me that, that means he, he's worthy of getting into a Newcastle United greatest 11 who are not uh, just based on that I mean not for nothing is uh, Tiny Gutierrez the tiny little icon image of Jonas Gutierrez uh, you know carried around with much love by uh, Charlotte Robson on the podcast you know an icon an icon an absolute icon mate. and um, long live Honas that's all I say um so we'll move on to the attack then. Um, you've obviously got three three players, mate. I mean, the madness. The madness! I have, and I think this is where this, uh, this team really falls down. Um, so I've gone for three players who are, you know, what's the opposite of complementary? They're, they're going to collide with each other. Uncomplimentary? Um, so, yeah, so two of the players, uh, they definitely are uncomplimentary. Uh, Papi Sisse and Denver Bar, and... Uh, Alan Pardew memorably said that having both of them in the same squad was like having uh, Lady Gaga and uh, Madonna in the same squad. Uh, so if having them in the same squad is is like having those two, uh, then having Dwight Gale as your third striker is like having Celine Dion. All three of them want the limelight. 
and they will not be able to play together. But those are my three. I mean, I'm just I'm blown away. I'm blown away. You've gone with the front, <laughs> the front three of Dwight Gale, Papi Sisi, and Demba Ba. I can't even I can't even begin to wrap my head around that, mate. But um, it's it's brave. Is it lunacy? Is it bravery? Whatever it is, you know, it'll it'll, it'll, it'll be entertaining. Um, and we'll have to go into why. We're going to have to go into why you've picked those three after I've given you my two. Um, I've gone for Andy Carroll Championship season, first half um, of the season in the Premier League. The, the unplayable, mm-hmm. the literally unplayable Andy Carroll. He was, he was phenomenal phenomenal for those um, four or five months in the Premier League before he got sold to Liverpool. And Demba Bar was just... I mean, he was just such a talented player. And even that season where he'd been banging the goals in... And CCA comes in and he gets shunted out wide. He still plays well. He doesn't score anywhere near as many goals, but CC everything he touched went in the net. And then the following season, obviously, Bar clearly wanted to be the main man again. We know the crack. He left at Christmas then for Rafa's Chelsea. But in that period between um, him, the start of the 2012-13 season, and him going to Chelsea, he was just phenomenal again. So when Demba Bar played as the main man centre forward, he was he was such a talented player. And I genuinely think a Demba Bar and Andy Carroll partnership would have been lethal. Yeah, absolutely fantastic player. And the fact that he ends up leaving for seven million was an absolute robbery. I think that is a kind of what is known as a sliding doors moment. What could have happened if we'd have kept Denver Bar, kept him happy? Because the fact that he got 29 goals in 54 games for us wasn't, you know, he burned so brightly, not very, not for very long. But some of those performances, he scored a hat trick at Stoke oh, no. when Stoke were decent on a, Tuesday on a night. cold winter's night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, if that doesn't uh, get you into the squad, you know what else does? And, and and Andy Carroll, I mean, you know, there are so many memories of him the first time round. Um, just the the performance against Sunderland when we won five one, he didn't score, but he was just, I mean, he was just huge in that game. Um, I mean, him and Shula up front on that day, it, it was a thing of real beauty. Um, in that headed goal against Arsenal, the performance in the home defeat against Man City. Um, the performance in the three-one win against Liverpool at home, um, it, you know, he was he was just great, and obviously he got into the England squad and he scored, I think, on his debut against Ghana, which is and he was still a Newcastle player at that point, and there were so many hopes for him, and obviously you know we know how his career turned out, um, but yeah, peak Andy Carroll and peak Dembaba would I think, and you know they, their paths could could quite easily have crossed, and they could have been fucking mm. phenomenal up front together. Alas, it wasn't to be. Only in the ca- the cavernous space that is my head. <laughs> um, yeah, so my other two So we've got uh, Denver Bar And then we've got Cissé and Gale uh, Cissé, I mean How he started his Newcastle career w- Was absolutely phenomenal uh, 13 goals and 12 I think it was um, His debut against Villa Scored then and then just did not stop scoring And yeah, everyone talks about That goal against Chelsea That goal, the second goal um, but he scored a couple of you know absolute rockets and also a couple of other goals with the outside of his foot. Um, and just what a talent. It was this kind of amazing combination of just absolute thunder bastardy, bastardy and, uh, and just finesse. It's just weird. And wh- what a player. Absolutely brilliant. And then Dwight Gale. Now this is, again, probably the other controversial uh, decision uh, in my 11. Um, yeah, he's probably only a second-tier player, but for sheer delight and how much I enjoyed his performances. I think he's got to be included. And 23 goals in the championship. Spectacular goals, poachers goals, um, free kick against Reading, second goal against 
Norwich where he chested it down and smashed it in. A really cheeky back heel against Burton. Um, he was the absolute whole package and the way that he linked up with John Joe Shelby and just drove us to that uh, title, uh, it was amazing. So yeah, probably controversial in the question is whether he can do it in the Premier League. Probably not, but for just sheer enjoyment, it's got to be Dwight. Fair enough, mate. I mean, I, I, I pick up on a couple of things you said there. Papi Cissé, absolutely brilliant. You're right on his goals. Um, even his debut goal against Aston Villa was was just superb. He scored a, mm. he scored a great goal in a, um, a tight victory against Norwich a few weeks later, one nil. The goals against Swansea were ridiculous. Um, a really good poachers goal away to West Brom. He was just he was just excellent. You're right. Um, he was he was utterly unplayable for that sort of three month period. I think um, you know and we'll ne- we'll never forget that the Chelsea goal was the first win down there in years and just. Something else. First win down in the league. Obviously, we're beating them. We're beating them um, a season earlier in the league cup uh, under Chris Hutton, um, and also um, Alan Pardew, the Lady Gaga and Madonna comment. I mean, straight away the image that I conjured in my head was that picture of Pardew in Magas with those four women, <laughs> his arms around those four women, Draped just on yeah, him. just like the absolute, you know. Just permatanned carpet door to door carpet salesman that he is, you know, like he's basically straight out of a Essex door to door car salesman in the eighties. Permatan on, you know, just being an absolute sleazeball. Um, and you know, you know what? Long live pods. Good on him, King Pods. Um, we, we can go for some close misses, and I guess as a kind of a kind of bench. Um, and I'll just say in terms of forwards and forwards who missed out for me, Salomon Rondon and Ayuzier Perez. Rondon was so, so good. So, so good. And we miss him so, so much, obviously, this season. We know that. But Ayuzier Perez, just a player who I think was, in general, massively underrated when he was here. And you look at his career at Newcastle, he played, I think, what, five seasons, 50 goals. Um, and he was just he was just really good. And I think, you know, him and Rondon on the bench would have been, would have been quite good in this team that I've put together. Uh, yeah, they, they were my two alternates as well. I think Ayuzier Perez... You know, no matter what you think of how he's left, and you know that's I think that's a real shame. But he was a real servant to the club, scored some really good goals. Uh, and again, as we've discussed, you know, many times on on this podcast over, you know, since he was here and through his exit, and then since, you know, the fact that we got him for one and a half million pounds from Tenerife, and then just developed him into a quality Premier League um, player. And you know, I don't really blame him for wanting to go to a club that had ambition or has ambition. Um, you know what a talent he gave. He gave us so much uh, during those years that he was here. And Rondon, such a focal point, and you know, here for a year, and I totally miss him. Um, he he was absolutely brilliant, and a, another player that I just loved watching. Uh, and yeah, I just miss him. Yeah, mate, it's it's sad, isn't it? Should we start crying a bit in a bit? Um, <laughs> Sissoko obviously would have been on the bench, you know. I mean, he's just, you know, he had, he had bags of talent. We've already mentioned that. I think um, for me, I would have had Shea. Shea would be on my bench, no doubt. Tim Krull, obviously, is your backup goalkeeper. That'd be mine. I'd like to give an honourable mention to the utility man of the decade. Um, it's James Perch, utility man of the decade. That's, you know, that, that if I had to give James Perch a trophy, that's what it would be. It would be utility man of the decade. Um, just. So when he when he first came, I think he had tried to sign him a season earlier. I think when we were in the championship, and then he got him when we got back up, and he played him at right back. And you know he he looked poor for the first what sort of year that he was at the club, really. But under Pardew, I think Pardew, he, he kind of just threw him in when when you know when we had injuries, and he threw him in, in any position, and he just really stepped up. And he was never a brilliant player, but for somebody who 
you know, was of limited ability and who was played in every single position on the pitch, more or less. He just gave everything. He gave absolutely everything. And for that, I love him. And for that, he would be on my bench. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an interesting addition. Uh, I'm just wondering, you know, when you're designing what this utility man trophy looks like, what does it look like? Is it a washing machine? It's basically just the... Uh, um, in gold? It's um, basically just a screw fix catalogue on a um, on a piece of wood, <laughs> hammered onto a piece of wood. It's, a, it's this year's screw fix catalogue, hammered onto a piece of plywood. So there you go. I've got this lovely image of that on his mantelpiece at home. Yeah, well, pride, pride, and, what a prize. pride and joy. Pride and joy. Um, so <laughs> before, we, uh, before we wrap up the mate, um, it's a big one, isn't it? Who is going to coach this quite simply spectacular side that would romp into the Champions League every season without a doubt? So, I mean, with my hopeless mismanagement of looking back over the decades, I put together a team which totally doesn't function. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't hang together. How do you get a number of professionals that can't quite play together into a side that is purring. There's only one man for that. It's Rafa Benitez, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I mean, he's, it, it, there's no one else who could be. He's, you know, he's head and shoulders above anyone else. Um, we, we've we had um, in my lifetime, other than Keegan and Robson, you know, there's Keegan, Robson and Benitez and there's, that is just absolute class. So from last decade, it has to be, it has to be Rafa and I'd, and I'd give him... Um, Chris Hutton as his assistant, that would be that'd be lovely. Rafa's coaching staff, Rafa's the main man, Chris Hutton as his assistant, just because Chris Hutton for me, um in a time when the club was in a very dark place, he gave he gave us dignity and he gave us pride and I and I used to love seeing him on the on the touchline at Newcastle and I used to love seeing him interviewed after matches, much like I did with Rafa. I felt I felt pride at that that person in charge of the club that I love because I knew that what they were doing was giving everything and they were they just gave the impression of being good people yeah definitely I, I can't disagree with that although how neither of us have managed to crowbar in uh, the best coach in the Premier League John Carver I'll never know I'll have Carver working in the uh, in the kitchen um, out back just uh, doing a bit of Doing a bit of sort of cold, cold service chefing, just chopping up some veg and that for the for the lads, just to keep them involved. Peeling some spuds. Yeah, keep just keep them keep them involved. You know what I mean. And then one day, you know, he might get his uh, chance again to to prove himself as the best coach in the world. And we'll uh, <laughs> we'll leave it at that, Chris. Thank you very much, mate. I really enjoyed doing this with you, listeners. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, you know, please do feedback with who would make your top eleven from the last decade. And um, if you enjoy this, then we will definitely crack on and do the noughties, nineties, and eighties. Cheers. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.